Good morning. <clears throat> Today's reading is Psalm 84. If you're able to stand, if you would, please, for the reading of God's Word. I got you. <laughs> Theme. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at, all, at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are you who dwell in the house, ever singing your praise. Selah. Blessed are you whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Selah. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the one who trusts in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, God. You can have a seat, and as you do, if you have a Bible, and if you want to, we'd invite you to open it up to Psalm 84. Um, as we continue this summer, we've been walking through some of the different Psalms uh, as we go through the summer, and then uh, we'll jump back into Mark and finish it this fall. Um, so Psalm 84. Um, is there a place or a day or an event, uh, maybe a one-time event in your life or, or a one-time-a-year annual event in your life that you get really excited about? Uh, maybe it's uh, a calendar. Maybe it's Christmas morning. I know for me, growing up as a kid, like I never slept on Christmas Eve. Uh, if I did, it was like for a couple hours, and then I laid on the couch and watched a Christmas story while the rest of my family made me wait till 5.30 in the morning to get them all up on Christmas morning. Yeah, I'm that kid. Um, not far from that as the kid I am now. Uh, but, uh, but there are days, there are times that we get excited about. Kids, who's excited about going to school? Probably a few of you. Um, like uh, probably a few of you, there are days or months or events or, or, or your birthday. It felt like for me as a kid, my birthday was never going to arrive. And now it feels like it happens so fast. And I remember like asking my mom, uh, Hey, how many, how many days until my birthday? And it's like March and my birthday's in September, late September. And it felt like forever. And then August would roll around and we'd go to school and I'd be like, how many days until my birthday? And it still felt like seven months, but it was only at that point about a month. And, and there are these days, there are these, these, these moments or these events, or, or maybe uh, I think back to marriage, like the, the, the days, weeks, months, hours leading up to getting married were so like anticipated for that day, or, or like it, it, the due date of a child that probably isn't going to happen on that due date, but the anticipation that you have for that specific moment or day. And you see, for me, um, there's a day that happens every year that I get really excited about. It's a day that happens every single year that I get really excited about. It's typically in early, towards the beginning of October, and I spend every year, I spend, my wife's like snickering because she knows what day it is. Um, you'll probably catch along on the way. Um, 
It's a day that I spend hours, weeks, and months in preparation for, planning for. A lot of thought, a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of gas, a lot of energy goes into that day that will come in early October, October every year. It, it, it has its own pregame meal. That every year before this particular Saturday, we tend to, not without fail, but most of the, this pregame eve of this particular day, uh, we have the same meal. Um, it's typically, uh, we, uh, we, uh, a lot of money has been invested in towards it. Uh, that evening, after we put the kids to bed, I get out all my stuff I'm going to need for that day, and I unpack it all, and then I repack it all so that everything is exactly where I want it in my bags as I go. And, and it has uh, everything I need and nothing that I don't need, because I tend to pack more than I need for this particular day. But I don't want to bring anything extra, but I also want to have everything that I am going to potentially need. No, we spent hours driving in the car, podcast, music. Uh, I, I set my alarm around 4 o'clock in the morning on this particular night in anticipation for that day in early October. And then I typically don't sleep very well on that night either. Maybe you've figured it out. Maybe you're still working on it. What in the world is Derek talking about in early October? Maybe you're going to like some football game that is in your mind because that's your, your day you anticipate or, or uh, opening day of baseball season, which isn't in October, just FYI, um, if you weren't aware. <clears throat> um, maybe in your mind this goes to, uh, to Black Friday, which again is not in early October, but maybe that like planning and anticipation happens in there. But for me... Uh, that day is opening day of hunting season. And if you know me, you're probably like, yeah, I saw that coming. Uh, that uh, uh, every single year, uh, there is a lot of time and energy and anticipation and excitement geared up towards that first Saturday in October when archery season hope opens. And you may get disgusted at the fact that I brought up hunting and you may have no interest in it at all, and that's fine to, to each their own. And maybe it's something else for you. It's, uh, maybe it's um, a different day, a different event. Maybe it's the first day of summer, teachers in the room. We've got a lot of teachers at Trailview. Maybe it's anticipation for the first day you don't have to go to work for a few months. Um, whatever it may be, um, there are days and events like this in all of our lives, that we uh, are very eager for. We anticipate a lot. A lot of time and energy uh, and effort and money and resources are put into this particular day or time. Psalm 84 is very similar. Psalm 84 you could consider as like the song that would be sung in anticipation for a special day. Uh, but a specific special day. See, the song that uh, Psalm 84 is, is a song that Jewish men or their families, if they joined them, would sing as they made the annual pilgrimage to the temple every single year. That every year as families from all over the world that were of Jewish descent, whether they were spread out across uh, the different parts of the, the region or whether they were in uh, a local Israel, er, uh, Israel area, they would go to the temple every single year. And this song would be sung to uh, usher and cultivate anticipation and excitement, would stir in their hearts to draw near and to worship God. 
It was a pilgrim's song, a preparation song, a song meant to stir their hearts, to cause them to reflect, to consider, to contemplate what they were about to do, where they were about to go, who they were about to draw near to. And so as we read this psalm, it echoes one big truth to us. And so if you're taking notes, kiddos, you got that sheet of paper? That story point, the main point that this song echoes is this. The presence of the Lord is better. The presence of the Lord is better. Then in all the days in our lives we may anticipate, and all the places we long to go or see or return to, the presence of the Lord is better. There is no better place than to be in the presence of our God. And so it poses this question. And you may ask this question to yourself now or this morning or later this evening. If you could be anywhere in the universe, I'd give you a teleporter right now. Step into it. You can go anywhere in the universe you want to go. Where do you want to go? And there's all kinds of answers. Maybe it's a mountaintop. Maybe it's a private island beach. Maybe it's a street of an ancient city in an entire another time period. Maybe it's the spring-fed waters of the Angels Waterfalls in Venezuela, which I only know about because of the movie Up. It, it, maybe it's a library with a warm cup of your choice of coffee or whatever, a blanket, the perfect chair, and a good book. Where would you go? Where could you go if you could go anywhere? Imagine if you were asked that question, what would your answer be? If we were to take a few moments and throw out our like, oh, I'd go here, here's what would happen. I'd be like, oh, I want that, but I also want to make this. And then, oh, no, no, I want that one, that one, that one, and this one. And we would try to compile them all to this like utopian, perfect place that we would go. But Psalm 84 speaks into that very question and says this, there's no, no better place than the presence of God. There's no place more lovely than His presence. So much that He echoes, and we'll get into this, this truth, that one day in the presence of the Lord is better than a thousand days anywhere you can imagine. Even if all thousand of those days, some of you like me, are, ever, are entirely different places that you get to experience. Does this resonate? Does this psalm's echo of there's no better place to be than the presence of God resonate with your heart, or does it feel or sound foreign? I want to pose to us this, that if it sounds foreign to your heart that the presence of the Lord is the best place ever, it's not because it's not the best place, but it's because we don't understand how great God really is. that we don't understand, grasp, or comprehend how awesome and amazing our God is, that it is true that one day in His presence is better than countless days anywhere else. So my hope this morning is that we would hear this truth and that the Holy Spirit would work by His power in His Word to bring to our hearts this resounding truth 
that His presence is better than anywhere else. So, getting ahead of myself, let's actually look at the psalm now. Psalm 84. If you want to start with me in verse 1, it starts like this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts! My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Like I said, this was a pilgrim song. At this moment in time in history, God physically dwelt in spirit in a specific location, and that was the Holy of Holy, the intercourts of the temple of Zion or Jerusalem. And so there was one place that God's people could go to be in his physical, spiritual dwelling place, and that was the temple. And so they would sing this song as they would go, reminding themselves and echoing their own hearts of how lovely the temple of God is, where his presence dwells. So much they would say that their souls long, yes, even faints. Think about this in the, like maybe some like uh, teenage movie that you can remember watching where uh, the, the handsome guy walks into the room and the girls are just like, oh, and they all faint and pass out. Uh, like That's what we're expressing here. This longing, this affection, this love for God and His presence so much that our hearts stop beating and we pass out because we're so joyfully overwhelmed with Him. That our flesh... Our hearts can't help but sing for joy because of who and how great our God is, and it is great to be in His presence. That's how the song starts in describing the presence of the Lord as better. So uh, maybe we ask it this way. When you consider your heart when it comes to entering into the presence of God, Be that like on a Sunday morning gathering where we as His church gather together to open His Word, to sing, hopefully our hearts filled with joy to our God because of who He is. Maybe it's it's the morning where you gather in that uh, special place in your house to open up God's Word and sit with Him in prayer and and commune with Him in His presence. Because here's the beautiful part. Uh, Because of the uh, accomplished, done, uh, it is finished work of Jesus on the cross and His death and resurrection, uh, God no longer dwells in the physical temple of Jerusalem, which doesn't exist any longer, uh, but He dwells in the hearts of His people. And he prophesied that he would. He would dwell in our hearts. And so the presence of God is no longer uh, something that we have to make these lavish pilgrimages to a specific building, but we just have to make a mental or or maybe better yet, a, a spiritual pilgrimage of the inner person into his presence, which is far more accessible than it used to be. So when we consider coming into the presence of God, on our own, in His Word, in prayer, in silence and solitude and reflection, as we come into His presence to sing with His people, how does your heart feel or speak? Maybe to put it this way, maybe this will be helpful. Uh, This might be a step for some of our kids in the room, but I think you can catch up with it. Which of the seven dwarves more reflects your heart when it comes to entering the presence of God? Doc, the intellectual, 
has it all figured out, knowledgeable. Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. Let me connect the dots. There we go. Maybe Doc, maybe Sleepy. Right now, some of you are feeling Doc. No, no, Sleepy. No, no, Sleepy. Dopey? You don't talk? A little slow when it comes to the presence of God? Grumpy? Maybe when it comes to entering the presence of God on your own or in His church, grumpy resonates more with your heart. Maybe happy, glad, cheerful. Maybe bashful. You're happy to be there, but you're a little timid and terrified. Maybe sneezy, which I don't really understand. Everybody got a good name except for that one. But anyway, which of the seven dwarves, or, or even if you want to throw them out, what resonates, comes up, or surfaces in your heart when you, post, when you, when you consider entering into the presence of the Lord? Uh, a, a pastor friend of mine asked me this question a long time ago. It was probably four or so years ago. He said, hey, Derek, what's the first thing that comes to your mind whenever you wake up in the morning? And it was not words. It was groans. Mm, kind of thing. Which probably more resonates with grumpy. And so I know my own heart and my aim to enter the presence of God each morning through His Word and prayer I'm going to battle the grumpy Derek. The grumpy Derek. That, that for each one of us, because of our flesh, this likely, verses 1 through 2, sounds like a lofty, lofty ideal. That we hope our hearts would declare, God, I'm so excited to be in your presence this morning that you are so lovely, that my soul has longed all night in eager anticipation. I couldn't wait to open up your word. My heart is just jumping out with songs for you, God. That's probably not the norm for most of us. But what he is echoing for us is that that is true about who God is and for our hearts to long for that same disposition towards the presence of God. And from this point, this psalm, just to kind of put the, the structure of it for you, he starts with the, uh, the loveliness or that the presence of the Lord is better and then he dives into two particular aspects of it and then he concludes with the same thing. The presence of the Lord is better. And the first one is this, that in the presence of the Lord, there is rest and security. That in the presence of the Lord, there is rest and security. Look at verses three through four with me. It says this, even the sparrow finds a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. At your altar, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. The, the, the psalmist brings into the song the most vulnerable of creatures in the most vulnerable states and paints the picture that they are 
welcomed, at peace, at rest, and in security in the presence of the Lord. A bird, the most vulnerable state a bird can find itself in is in the time of nesting, when it lays its eggs, when it must sit on them to keep them warm so that they will hatch, when the babies do hatch, and they're dependent completely upon the mother to bring them food for their survival. That's the most vulnerable state. And I don't know if you are aware, birds are also very fragile. They're very fragile beings. They run into windows and die. Put it in that perspective. They're very fragile beings. And the psalmist paints the picture for us that even the sparrows, which if you're familiar with God's word, might echo this this, this truth of Jesus in uh, his Gospels as he was preaching, who said that not even a sparrow falls from the sky without his knowing, and how much more does he love you? Or that, that they don't hunt or search or, or look for their food, but the Lord provides it for them, that, that there is rest and peace and security for even the most vulnerable creatures in the most vulnerable states in the presence of the Lord. So how much more will you find rest and security for your soul in His presence? See, the presence of the Lord is better, and in His presence we find rest and security. But our hearts seek and search and hunt elsewhere. That we chase after counterfeit rest and security all the time. We search for peace. We search for rest. We search for security outside of the presence of the Lord and we come up short or with counterfeits. And think about it. We think these things. That I will find rest for my soul if I can figure out how to solve these problems. That if the problems I am facing would be resolved by my doing or someone else's, then I'll find, find rest. We believe this truth that, that rest will be found in vacation. And I just went on a great one and it wasn't all that restful, just so you know. Because <clears throat> even in vacation, you don't get away from problems, mishaps, issues, conflicts. We believe escape will provide us rest. We believe in sleep, which is a good thing. You should get it as much as you can. That in sleep we will find the rest that our souls need. And so we hit the snooze over and over, over and over. We believe we'll find security in the counterfeits of finances. But if we just could manage what we have a little better or make a little bit more and, and allocate it a little bit differently, then we would have security and my, my soul wouldn't be so like frantic and anxious. We believe that our souls would find the security that we long for in relational peace. That if there was just no conflicts, life wouldn't be so shaky that there would be security if we had relational peace with one another. 
We believe that we would have security in the counterfeit of knowledge. That if you just knew or understood more, then you wouldn't be afraid of the endless number of what-ifs. You see, we believe and we chase after rest and security outside of God in all of these counterfeits, and we could make endless lists of all of them. And Psalm 84 sings loudly to our hearts, the presence of the Lord is better. Rest and security for your soul is found in His presence. That's what Philippians 4 gets at. That those famous verses about be anxious for nothing, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, that rest, that security, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. That peace and rest and security to your anxieties and fear doesn't come from the world or you, someone else, or solutions to your problems, but from the presence of the Lord. Rest and security comes from His presence. But He doesn't stop there. He also goes on, exploring this truth that the presence of the Lord is better, and He looks at strength and life. That strength and life come from the presence of the Lord. Look at verses 5 through 7. Blessed, which just FYI, in Hebrew that word means happy or glad. That's what that word means. We saw it in verse 4 also. Blessed, happy or glad are those whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the highways to Zion. As they go through the valley of Baca, They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. Where does strength and life come? Strength and life comes from the presence of the Lord. Not from our cleverness or experiences, but from the Lord. He's talking about a strength that carries us through, that not only provides the ability for us to endure with gladness life circumstances, but to prevail in all of life circumstances with a gladness and a joy. But it's not a strength that's selfish or resounds only for us. It's not a, those who dwell in the presence of the Lord, they are strengthened for themselves. And they are strong, and everybody looks at them like statues of the strength of the Lord. No. That those who are strengthened through the presence of the Lord are a blessing. And they leave the desert valleys of life filled with flourishing and life. They're strengthened in the Lord, they have life in themselves, and they are an overflowing blessing. This is what verses 6 through 7 are talking about. Verses 6, it says, as they go through the valley of Baca, which nobody knows where the valley of Baca is. It's not like on a map somewhere. They make it a place of springs. The early rain also covers it with pools. And what he's echoing here is the person who finds their strength in the presence of the Lord. 
That the Lord works through them in the strength of the Lord to bring flourishing and blessing to everywhere that they've gone. It's like a wake. Have you ever been on a boat? Maybe it was a good experience, maybe not. Boats make wakes, which is the waves that make like that V shape behind them. Uh, And they leave a trail behind them. It's part of the way that it works when they pass through the water. What he's getting at here is the, the one whose strength is in the presence of the Lord, they are like a flourishing spring to all they pass through. Now, the imagery that he paints here is for the one who's traveling from wherever they live to the presence of the Lord, strengthened in his presence, they cultivate behind them, much like a plow, they cultivate behind them flourishing springs of life. And what do springs and running water produce? Life. Vegetation. Growth. Fruitfulness. That strength that comes from the Lord. That it comes from the presence of the Lord, but that strength is not a selfish statue of strength, but a strength that produces flourishing in its wake. That the one who is strengthened by the presence of the Lord leads to the flourishing of all those around them. But we often like rest and security, chase after strength to push through, power through, endure, and move through life circumstance. We chase after that strength in counterfeits. We chase after that life and flourishing through counterfeits. We think that my knowledge, if I understand more, learn more, my abilities, if I can just become more capable, if I can become more able, which is another word for powerful, just to clarify. God is able. He is powerful. But if we can become more knowledgeable, if we can become more powerful, then I will be strong. If I could just be more competent, I'll find strength. We believe that. Some of us do. Some of us believe that that if I can just problem solve, that if I can be a really good problem solver, then I can provide strength and life for myself and others. That I can just figure it out. If I can come to the best solution... If I can just muster up the right solution and we can execute it from start to finish. Here's the plan. All, all of, we will find strength and rest and we'll find uh, life if we can just go boom, 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 boom. And when we get to the end of that, we're going to be golden. So if we can problem solve, chart out a course and we can execute it, then we'll find strength. We can navigate life's obstacles and challenges and sufferings uh, with precision to solve life's problems, then we'll find strength. Some of us find strength in self-confidence. I'm better than you. I'm more capable than my problem. We find ourselves in comparison games. I'm going, well, if they got through that, then I can get through it. Maybe through maturity we think, oh man, well, I mean, I'm mature, I'm aged, I've been through life, I can do that, I'm strong. When I get older, when I get more mature, then I'll be stronger. Maybe it's physical strength. 
Maybe it's none of those things, but we think that uh, we'll find the strength we need to endure and persevere through life if we just experience, through our experiences. I've been there before. My past experiences have provided me the strength to be strong in my current circumstances. See, the problem with all those is it's a strength that's completely void of God. And all of them will fail you. And it will leave you hopeless in despair or chasing after some other counterfeit. And what Psalm 84 echoes to us is this, glad is the one whose strength is in the presence of the Lord. And not only personally glad, but they leave a wake of blessing and life behind them. A legacy of fruitfulness. Why? Because strength comes from the presence of the Lord. So today, maybe for you, it's to come and find strength for life's current circumstance in His presence. The end of this psalm recircles back to the beginning of it. It says this in verses 8 down through 12. O Lord, God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. Behold our shield, O God. Look on the face of your anointed. And verses 8 and 9 is this like prayer in the middle of the song. It's a little weird. Call it the bridge, because we do weird stuff like that in songs. Um, but it's this prayer. And maybe this is a moment for you as we've walked through these truths, and it's just a like, O God, I wish I longed for your presence like that. Maybe that's the prayer. It is what we've seen that the truth that rest, security, strength, and life comes from the presence of the Lord, or from presence of the Lord, are those things that your heart echoes. See, what do you pray for is a good way of assessing what's present in your heart. Do we pray these things? Do we echo these things? And if not, maybe we should begin at the place and posture of God. I want to long for your presence like this person who wrote this song. Verse 10 says this, For a day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tent of the wickedness, of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield, and the Lord bestows His favor and honor. No good thing does He withhold from those who, will walk, who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed, are, blessed is the one who trusts in you. That He brings us back to the question we started with. If you could be anywhere. If you could teleport anywhere. Where would you want to go? The psalm writer says the presence of the Lord. And it says it with a definite, that's the right answer. Not a, if you want to go there, okay. It screams in its song, this beautiful tale of the presence of the Lord, and it leads us to this place of going, one day in the presence of God is better than a thousand days anywhere else. 
And it leads us in this song to say what our hearts often don't feel. That it would be better to be a door greeter in the house of God than to live permanently in the tents of the wicked. When you wake up in the morning, is that what resonates in your heart? As we sit here now at church, does that ring true for you? I can tell you for myself, oftentimes I feel like perusing my social media will be a far more satisfying place than the presence of God in the morning. Scrolling through, watching YouTube videos, or hitting the snooze, listening to sports radio, watching the last Rangers loss highlights. That I believe in my heart many, many days that those places will be far more pleasing than the presence of the Lord. Which, like I said earlier, does not require a physical pilgrimage, but only a spiritual and mental one each and every day. That He is not far from us, and He wants to meet with us. So the problem, like I said earlier, is not a question of, is God's presence better? That's not the question. The question isn't, is God's presence better? The question is, do we believe that His presence is better? I'll say that again. The question for our hearts is not, is God's presence better? It is, definitively. Objectively true for us. The question is, do we believe that His presence is better? Do we believe that He is lovely, so lovely that we would faint in His presence, overwhelmed by His love? Do we believe that rest and security for our souls comes from His presence? Do we believe that strength and life for our souls comes from His presence? Do we believe that His presence is better than anywhere else? A quick evaluation of our hearts, and I trust the power and work of the Holy Spirit in this morning, oftentimes will lead us in this moment or in our lives to say, no. And we can humbly and honestly today come before God and say, no, I don't believe that. And are welcomed with open arms and confession and repentance to say, God, I don't believe that and I want to repent of that, turn from that unbelief and come and ask that you would change my heart to believe what's true. That's one option. We don't believe it. The second option is this. Yeah, you do believe it. You believe the presence of the Lord is better than anywhere else. But there's a difference in between intellectually knowing it and believing it. Knowing something is true is not the same thing as believing that it's true. Oftentimes we can see whether we actually believe something to be true in the fruit of our lives. Where we can say things all the time. 
We can say we believe something, but that we know something, but there's a difference in between knowing and believing. And, and if we're honest, our hearts vacillate between uh, because of the flesh and because of the Spirit, between believing that the presence of the Lord is better and believing that any number of endless other places will be more satisfying. That I can honestly say to you that it is frequent for me in the mornings where I have to fight with my own heart and flesh to believe that being with God in His presence will be better. That to sit in my green, uncomfortable chair in my office with my Bible and seeing Jesus Together journal, to hear from Him, to have Him speak into my heart and guide me into my day is better than to sit on the couch with that same cup of coffee but an entirely different source of information in front of my eyes, my phone. So whether you uh, are uh, here this morning and it's a, I don't believe that the presence of the Lord is better, or I struggle to believe that the presence of the Lord is better, the Holy Spirit invites us today into honesty with Him to ask Him to work in our hearts, to ask Him to help strengthen you to believe what is true and fight against the counterfeits of life that are unsatisfying, that don't lead to blessing, that will not provide strength and life or rest and security. And this psalm echoes this truth. The presence of the Lord is better better than anywhere else we could imagine. And so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And as they do, I want to encourage our hearts in one particular direction. Uh, first, to be honest with God as we sing. We're going to sing two songs. One of them talks about the better presence of the Lord. Uh, it, it, it's a song that echoes this, I want to be in your presence, God. So to sing that honestly before the Lord. And the other one, uh, the second one we'll sing, talks about asking God to bring change. To turn it around is what the song says. So maybe it's an invitation and a prayer for you as you sing to ask God to turn your heart around. I want to encourage you in one other direction before we sing. We can actively put ourselves in the pathway to be in the presence of the Lord every single day through the spiritual disciplines. By sitting alone, quiet in prayer, through Bible reading, through silence and solitude and reflection, by gathering with His church on Sunday mornings, we put ourselves in the presence of the Lord. So my encouragement would be for us all to see the easily accessible, better presence of the Lord. Our hearts are the only obstacle. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for being better. We thank you that you uh, welcome and invite us into your presence. And along with that invitation, uh, you satisfy and so, God, would you uh, now, as we sing and respond, uh, would you speak? 
Would you help us to be honest with you in our prayers uh, as we pray, in our songs, as we sing? God, would you bring uh, a hunger, a longing for the lovely presence uh, that you have available for us? So God, would you be present now in this space, in this room? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's